And I, I really got quite excited about this unlocking because I just sense that today the Holy Spirit is unlocking things. He's pouring oil into those hinges of things that have not moved for a while. So I'm deeply encouraged by that word. Um, that he has been oiling those hinges. And today, those gates, those things that have stood before you, those things that have not shifted, those things that have not moved, today, in the name of Christ Jesus, we speak to that thing and we say, open in the name of Jesus. We say right now in the name of Father God and in the blood of Christ Jesus that those things that have come against us, those things that have held us, Locked in place, those things that have oppressed us for years, right now, in the name of Jesus, we say go. That every principality and power that has stood over this church, over individuals, will now go in the name of Jesus. And what has been laid on my heart about today and about Daniel chapter 1, that Nigel read earlier on, is picking up on the word that we had last week from Pat, declaring the new day, the dawning of the new day for individuals as church, as a church, but actually nationwide. Churches are calling out and the prophetic voices are saying, this is the new day. And when I looked at Daniel 1, I thought, Mm, how does this tie in to the new day? And the Lord said to me, this is the starting point of regeneration. This is the starting point of regeneration. And what I mean by that is often... The start of something new is the most difficult place to be in. Yeah? Often the start of something new is the most difficult place to be in. Often it is those very difficult places... where we may not be aware of God's plan. And like Daniel, we feel lost and bereft. And yet, it is the start of something new. And I've grown up on a diet of Daniel, and often Daniel 1 has been used by what we call the holiness movement as teaching. That you are in the world, you're part of it, but you're separate. I mean, how many of you done the Daniel diet? Come on. Yeah, we've all done it. Who of you are vegetarians in the room? Confess now. Okay. But a lot of the holiness teaching of the past hinges on the Daniel 1 teaching. That he was put into a position 
But he had to separate himself out. He had to make a stand. So I've actually grown up on this teaching about Daniel. And personally, I've made quite a study of of Daniel, um, Joseph, King David. And I really like these guys. Because to me, they were believers in the working world. Yeah? Yeah? They weren't part of the temple. They weren't part of the priesthood. They were actually working guys. And I think that's great. Yeah? And I've said this before. If you are working and you need some self-help manuals, look at these guys in the Bible. Phenomenal. Phenomenal resource. When you are stuck and you're in a position at work that you don't have to deal with, look at these characters. They didn't walk around with wings and halos. They were real people. And I love them. Um, And Daniel in particular. The picture that should have been up there. (laughs) I've got my, yeah. Yeah. The memory stick, yeah. Actually, no, leave it. I just have a sense. Yeah, leave it, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. I just have a sense we, we shouldn't. I had a bit of a giggle because Daniel actually wrote Daniel 1. And what does he say about himself? And I thought this was actually, like I say, a bit of a giggle. He said um, he's good looking, he's gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and very quick to understand. Anyone resonate? (laughs) Um, But looking at Daniel 1... We see this situation, and it's actually very important to get our, ha- our heads around one, because if we understand chapter one, the rest of the story is going to make a lot of sense. So here we see a young man, as he said, good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, wisdom, possessing knowledge, and very quick to understand. He's been taken into captivity. He's in a foreign place, in a foreign land. He's with three of his mates, but he's been given a new name. He said before him, and possibly he was a eunuch, he'd been castrated himself, that there's no clarity on that, but there is actually an indication that he himself (coughs) had been castrated and become a eunuch. And that was almost um, an ultimate degradation for somebody who'd been kept, been taken captive. It's very much like the Angelini, um, Angelina, what's her name, Jolie campaign about um, rape as a weapon of war. It is often the way armies um, enforce their will on the people by raping the woman. And it's, it's common, it's huge, um, and it's a, a, an incredible body of work and um, that she does. But in that time, yes, we raped and pillaged, but we also castrated the men. 
just to make sure they were subservient. Ahead of him, he had three years of training, and in that training, he was going to be immersed in the culture, the language, and the practices of the Chaldeans. Now, this wasn't small change. This wasn't some backwater college under a bush with a mud hut. Babylon, at that point, the city of Babylon was totally remarkable, and I got quite lost last night looking at all the sort of sites and the archaeological evidence, um, looking at the Ishtar Gate, magnificent gate. That was the entrance to Babylon. The Hanging Gardens of Babylon, proven. The Tower of Babel had been there at one point, and, and the evidence is all there, this reconstruction. And in fact, um, Saddam Hussein's palace was set on a hill overlooking what had once been Nebuchadnezzar's palace. Okay, so this wasn't small change. This wasn't backwater stuff. This was serious. This was like somebody, I'm not going to be rude now, but somebody from a farm coming into central London for a college course. Okay, so major culture shock for this young man. And he was set this, this thing about the three years of training, and he was going to be immersed in this culture. The culture itself, um, the 360 years, I believe, of astrological records were kept by Nebuchadnezzar's um, his advisors and his astrologers. So this, what I'm trying to explain is that we often look back at history thinking they were numpties. What did they know? <laughs> okay, but actually, the wealth of education and learning and knowledge at the Babylonian court was incredible. And we as Christians, we look and we think, oh, you know, they looked at the stars, they read the astrology stuff, and we must stay away from that. But actually Daniel was told, go and learn this stuff. He must have known the law from Moses saying, don't go near astrologers and soothsayers. And But here he was, right in the middle of it. Right in the middle of it. I didn't know that Abraham actually was an, um, a Chaldean. I mean, I should have known this. <laughs> But somehow I didn't. Um, and if you picture in your mind the Middle East, the area we're talking about is about 50 kilometers west of Baghdad. And I, I, I just got quite wrapped in it last night, just looking at the history, looking at the geopolitical maneuverings around the Middle East. And I can tell you one thing we don't learn from history because it's happening all over again. And that's really, 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 really scary. Um, looking at the Middle East as it stands today, we're talking about Aleppo and Syria, um, you know, just across the border from where Daniel was. What I'm trying to show here is this was very real. He's down in history. Nebuchadnezzar's written down in history, not just church history, but world history. Very, very powerful kingdom um, of Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, Saddam Hussein said he felt that he was not the reincarnation of Nebuchadnezzar, but he was the new Nebuchadnezzar of the Middle East um, and was going to establish his kingdom. And that's why he had his palace built where it was built and obviously overlooked Nebuchadnezzar's palace. Where Daniel 
the chap we're studying, that's where he was, right there. Hmm? Iraq, yeah, it's in Iraq. <laughs> and that's where, where it is t- there. And, and I mean, the, the ruins are incredible. You must go and have a look. Um, really quite fascinating. In chapter 1, we also see that Daniel experienced God's favor and goodwill with his captors. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So obviously, as we would say perhaps in the modern church, you know, highly anointed. The boy shone, and he shone above the rest. And it says further, at the end of the chapter, they were ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all of the realm. But one thing we know is he didn't like the food. He was very clear about that. He did not like the food. And he made that request, I don't want to eat the stuff. I'd prefer to stick to veggies and water. And what really struck me in chapter 1 is Daniel's mindset. His mindset. Firstly, his name. Daniel means God is my judge. And going into the court, it was changed. And it was um, Belthazar means lady protect the king and is in reference to the God of the Babylonians. Now that must have been quite an affront to Daniel. Naming in Hebrew culture was very, very, very important. And Hebrew names were important because often they signified the destiny, the blessing of this person and how God was going to use them. So names weren't just randomly picked out. Of, of a hat, or we look on the internet at the naming lists or books on names. <coughs> names were decided according to the destiny of this child that was laid on the parent's heart. I know in, in African culture, um, often well, where I come from, children are only named a year after they are born. Now, I have a, 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 a cultural name, it's a Namabata. And I was named princess of the Bakta tribe a year after I was born because they felt I was a princess and I was cute and I was lively and I was always out there, (laughs) um, immersed in the culture. But it's a very common thing because you get a sense of who the child is and then you name it. Yeah? You don't name it at birth because things can go badly wrong. It's been in the news this week about Jamie Oliver's new baby boy. Is it River Leaf or something? <laughs> I mean, have you ever, you know, Peaches Geldof, you know? Um, <laughs> you know, things can go wrong with the naming. But Daniel had this name, God is my judge. The second thing about his mindset is his knowledge and understanding of God, Yahweh. The I am. And it's confirmed in historical records that Daniel was actually part of Zedekiah's royal family. Now Zedekiah is the guy who really annoyed the Babylonian kingdom. 
He revolted against their rule. He wanted to make an alliance with Egypt. He ignored the prophet's warning. And I tell you what, if you want to see the sideshow of this chapter one, go to Jeremiah. Absolutely incredible. Jeremiah was a thorn in their flesh. He was saying to Zedekiah, you are wrong. You're going to be crushed. You're going to be put away. You're going to be burnt to death. Don't disobey. This is not going to work. There had been a sort of uprising of false prophets saying, you know what, it's only going to be two years. You're going to be home. Don't worry about it. And Jeremiah was saying, no, no, you're going to be there 70 years. It's going to be tough. It's going to be really, really hard. And it's really wonderful to read Jeremiah because it gives you a real sense of what Daniel, he must have known about Jeremiah. Jeremiah was the Nigel sort of Farage of the time. He couldn't keep him quiet. He was out there all the time saying, see, I'm here, listen, listen, listen. Yeah. Hmm? I'm not saying Farage is either good or bad. <laughs> okay, he's just got a huge persona in terms of the media. So Daniel must have been aware. He must have been aware. Jeremiah was in and out of the court. He was imprisoned at one point in the palace in Jerusalem. Because they just couldn't shut him up. And in fact, I'm going to read. And Jeremiah actually sent a letter. He was so disturbed by the false prophecies. He actually sent a letter to the captives already in Babylon. And he says to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who are carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. And he says to them, and perhaps it gives an an indication as to why our Daniel settled down so quickly and got on with the job. Jeremiah 29, it says, build houses and dwell in them. Plant the gardens and eat the fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters. That you may be increased there. This was the letter to the captives. That you may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be. And pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace you will have peace. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you. Nor listen to your dreams which cause you to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely for you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, after 70 years completed in Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good work towards you. Jerem- um, and Daniel must have known about this letter, saying, look, you've been taken captive, settle down, get married. Well, obviously he couldn't, but get married, plant your, plot, you know, your, your vineyards, and make the best of it while you're there. Now, Daniel's understanding of God, one was in his name, that God is his judge. They were in this position in Nebuchadnezzar's court Because God had judged Israel. 
because Israel had been, or the Hebrews, had been disobedient. So Daniel had this mindset. He knew who he was. He knew his name. God is my judge. He had an understanding and a knowledge of God. He also had God's promises. He must have seen this letter saying, you know what, yes, it's 70 years, but things will change after that. And the other thing is he must have heard Jeremiah's prophecy of the new covenant and the complete restoration of Jerusalem and the Hebrews. So he knew his name. He had a knowledge and an understanding of God. He must have been aware of this letter saying, settle down, embed yourselves, prosper where you are. He must have been aware of God's promises during and after the captivity. It's so beautiful. Jeremiah writes, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. And the third thing about Daniel's mindset was his conscious commitment. In Daniel 1 verse 8 he says, it says, But Daniel purposed in his heart. He made a decision. I will not defile myself. I'm not going to give up on things that I've been taught, that I'm aware of. (coughs) So we have his name. He understood that God is his judge. He was the victim of God's judgment in a way. Daniel had the knowledge and the understanding of God. He had the promises to lean into. He had this vision, I'm sure, of the new covenant and complete restoration. And Daniel 1, he had this conscious commitment to be part of it, but to be different. And this is his mindset. Obviously, we can look through all the chapters. (laughs) We know the outcome. He most probably didn't at that point. He had no idea how God was going to use him. He had no idea that the visions and the dreams then are going to be preached about in a few weeks now here in Forest Hill Church. He had no idea. He had no idea what he was seeing. He had no idea what it was all about. But you see, Daniel 1 is he was in a new place on a new day. On a new journey, it was dreadfully uncomfortable. But he had the right mindset. He knew God. He knew the covenant. He knew the word of God. And he knew that he had to make a conscious decision. I will purpose 
to do this. And I've put here the starting point of regeneration is the new day, and it is often not pleasant. You know, when I stood and I married my ex-husband, I had no idea that that was the start of a dreadful journey. Awful. I had no idea that I would lose my home. I would lose two businesses. That my head would be so mashed up, I wouldn't even know my own name at one point. That when it all went pear-shaped and I found out that he was a bigamist, I had no idea in that dark place that God was going to use that to shape me and mold me, to raise me up again, to take hold of the promises that I had forgotten. I had no idea when I lost my home a second time. And I said to the Lord, well, where now, Father? I have two small children. What do we do? And the Lord says, go to England. Go back to the land of your father. Go and see what I have purposed for you. I had no idea that that new day for me was going to be incredibly difficult. Intensely lonely. But you know what? I knew the promises of God. I knew and I believed that he had his hand on me. I knew that he had purposed good for me. That he had a plan and a purpose. I knew the word of God and I feasted on it to keep me standing and keep me going. And then the dawn breaks. And you turn around and think, "My, what was I worried about? Who was that person who could not stand up and speak to a group of people? Who had no confidence? Who at every turn said, I can't do this. But God had a plan and a purpose for my life. And I believed it. And you know the enemy has come against me so much. (laughs) Then I said to him, for heaven's sake, give up. We win because of Christ Jesus. Leave me alone. But I have learned that that new day, that new beginning is the point of regeneration. But we have to have that mindset of Daniel. I've brought you here a letter dated January 31st, 1977. Now, I'd been raised Christian home, parents, missionaries, entrenched, immersed, immersed in the sort of church culture. My mother, a Bible teacher, some of you have heard this all before. But at the age of 16, I made that commitment, finally. I was going to do this. I was signing up. <laughs> I was going to believe. And in this beautiful letter with the woman who had knelt with me, and Mrs. Lieutenant Colonel Reitmeyer, She said, some of the verses we considered together, and she lists them, you might also be helped in remembering God's personal interest in you. Isaiah 43, his purpose for you. Isaiah 43, 21, and his promise to guide you in all things. Psalm 32. And she writes some things here about me. 
which I'm not going to share. <laughs> but you see, this kept me going. This kept me going. I had a promise. I had a promise. Thirty-nine years. Thirty-nine years. I had a promise. I knew my name. I knew God had called me. And I knew my name. It's not a Namabakta. Yes, I'm a princess. My name's not even Beverly. God calls me Joy. Yeah? He calls me Joy. And what do you think the enemy's strategy has been most of my life? To steal my? There we go. But I've purposed. I have purposed in my heart to say no. No, I am joy. I have purposed in my heart to say yes, I believe, yes and amen. I have a plan and a purpose. God has ordained it. But you see, it's at that point of regeneration, that new day, I had no idea. So he's unlocking doors today. He's oiling those hinges to open up. But what he's also doing is looking into your situation and he's saying, do you need a touch today of regeneration? Do you know who you are in Christ Jesus? Do you know your words? Do you know the promises in this Bible? Phenomenal. Have these promises been written on your heart? Have you let them sink into your spirit? He knows your name. He knows your name. He wants to unlock your future. It's never too late. And the scripture I had here was from Titus. Titus 3. Remind them to be subject to the rulers and authorities to obey to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, be peace, peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But listen to this. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior Toward man appeared. Jesus. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Christ Jesus, our Savior, that having been justified by grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying that these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. 
that these things are good and profitable to man. Jesus died for us. And we don't have to fast. We don't have to just stick to veg and water. We can be immersed in a culture knowing that God's hand is on us, his kindness, his goodness to us. And that daily, daily, we can come before him and say, Jesus, through the power of your Holy Spirit, wash me, regenerate me, renew me. For your kingdom and your purpose. I felt today very specifically this thing about the name. That the Lord wants to set you free today. If there is something that has been spoken over you in the past. You've been called a name. And it just jarred with your spirit. And that name has defined you. There's regeneration today through the power of the Holy Spirit to say that is not who I say you are. So if anyone has put that on you, we want to pray for you today. We've had the word, the unlocking. We've had the water, the washing, the regeneration. But this thing about the name just kept coming to me all through the night. If you have been called a name in the past that has defined who you are, today is the day to say, no, no more. Jesus is now going to wash me and set me free from that thing. You no no longer live under bondage. You are free in the name of Jesus. I'd just like you to bow your heads. let the Holy Spirit just wash over you. If that thing about the name resonated with you, just raise your hand. If you feel you have been um, defined by somebody else, what they've said about you. Father God, I just want to thank you right now that your word is yes and amen. I want to thank you now that you have shown, Father God, that our sisters and brothers in Christ Jesus are now free. Through the blood and the power of Christ Jesus, we say that thing, that name, is now cancelled. It is washed away. And we prophesy liberty and a new identity Father God, that identity that you have for that person, right now, release it in the name of Jesus. If there is a sense of regeneration, that you're in that place where you think, oh heavens, Lord, this situation's really bad. Does that resonate? If you could just raise your hand. Father God, I want to ask you right now, 
for our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus who have raised their hands, Lord Jesus, that through the power of your Holy Spirit you would minister your peace. That as that cloud of rain sits above us and according to your word here in Titus, Lord, let the washing of your Holy Spirit just regenerate and renew our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And finally, if there's anyone who perhaps you've just drifted away a little bit and maybe the faith has grown cold, maybe you've never met Jesus face to face, Will you today purpose in your heart to say, Jesus, I want to draw closer. Lord Jesus, I want to spend more time with you. I want to know more of the fellowship of your Holy Spirit. If there is anyone here who'd just like to make that commitment between you and God, say, today I purpose in my heart. Do you want to just raise your hands? If you want to make that, that today you purpose in your heart to spend more time in his word, to listening and being there with Jesus. Father, I thank you that through your Holy Spirit you minister your grace to us. And Lord, we just purpose in our hearts to know who we are in Christ Jesus, but to grow in the knowledge of Christ Jesus and spend more time in the fellowship of your Holy Spirit. Wash over us, Lord. Majesty, we can but bow. Have your way with us, Lord. In the name above all names, Christ Jesus. Amen.